And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we open up on a really busy day here on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the silver and black. Uh, JT with you. I hope you're having a great day today. And we are busy, busy. We're going to play the Mike Mayock press conference. Some might have downloaded it at Raiders.com. Maybe you got the alert on your phone. But um, the majority of our audience did not hear it. It's lunchtime in Vegas. Where are you listening around the country? If you didn't hear it, if you didn't get it on your phone or mobile device, we're going to play it. It was one of the most important press conferences of Mike Mayock's career, and it just ended a few minutes ago. So we'll play that coming up in its entirety. A lot was said. NFL Network is debating that. Uh, They debated that for about 10 minutes after he was done. You could listen to it for yourself. We'll play that here in a few minutes. And Mike Mayock's in a big spot in his career. When he took over this job, he became GM of the team. Uh, Many people said that Gruden had the majority of the power. He does. Uh, Coach Gruden is no longer with the team as he resigned, and Mike Mayock now is in a role that is a different role than when he got hired here by the Las Vegas Raiders and the Oakland Raiders in coming here. So Mike Mayock's in a big spot here. Uh, The roster, injuries, trying to get the roster upgraded, uh, doing what they do at the scouting department. Big spot here for Mike Mayock, who's been groomed to do this his entire life as a former player. And now as an executive, he's ready for this. So Mike Mayock, it's go time. But it's always been go time with Mike, as I know and many people know, of the voice that he has in the organization and what he gets the opportunity to do now. Also, new head coach Rich Passaccia will have a press conference. Raiders say at 1.10 Pacific time, we will carry that live. The interim new head coach of the Silver and Black. We'll get a chance to hear from him, his vision of the team, as we get into preparation for the Denver Broncos. Speaking of the Broncos, the voice of the Broncos, Dave Logan, one of the best play-by-play voices, period, in sports, is going to join us at 1245. 12.30, right before that, former Raider quarterback Steve Berline, uh, very involved with the media and the organization as an alumni. I'll ask him his opinion on Coach Gruden being out and how the team quickly prepares in that locker room. And the most important thing I'll talk to Steve about is leadership at the quarterback position and what Derek Carr needs to do to help this team win football games coming up. Because they're a 3-2 football team. As Mike Mayock just wrapped up his press conference said, all the goals that they set out are within reach. And that's what we're going to get back to after a very difficult early part of this week. So far here on the flagship of the Raiders, resignation of John Gruden, introduction of a new interim head coach, The team had an off day yesterday. The players able to try to digest all this information so they're ready to help the team and win. So you can imagine how complex this is for everybody involved. And everybody's going to have to move forward quickly here and get ready for the Broncos because the Broncos love any type of adversity that's happening with the Raiders. You know they love that. And we'll talk about what it's going to take to beat the Broncos. We'll lighten it up with our good friend Steph McKenzie. From 97 won the point. She'll also join us next hour. We're brought to you by PTs. You know they're the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Head on out to PTs to watch all this October baseball. 
and the Vegas Golden Knights, who opened up last night and beat the Seattle Kraken, that was a fun game. The pregame, all the excitement, and Vegas held on as Seattle put on a hell of a fight late in that game. But let's begin the show going out to Henderson. Mike Mayock, the general manager of the Raiders, just met with the press. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm going to make a brief statement, and then I'm going to open it up for some questions, okay? So a lot going on in this building and this franchise for the last several days. And, you know, the way I grew up, the Raiders always stood for diversity. They had the first Latino quarterback, Tom Flores. He also became the second Latino head coach. The first African-American head coach was Art Shell. The first female CEO was Amy Trask. Obviously, all of that was under Al Davis's watch. Now, this week, his son, Mark Davis, I think had a tough time. He had a tough week. He had to gather facts. He had to do his due diligence. And since the day I took this job almost three years ago, what Mr. Davis has preached has been three things. It's been diversity, social justice, and domestic violence. So when we go into drafts, if there's a guy with any a history, with any, any of those type of things, I'm in Mr. Davis's office trying to show him what's going on, whether or not we've done our due diligence on that guy and whether or not that person should be in this building. He's been consistent with his messaging. And in regards to the John Gruden situation, we all respect his decisions, and we're going to move ahead accordingly. As far as the team is concerned, bottom line, we're three and two. It's week six. You know, a lot of these interim head coach deals over the years, it's like week 15 and guys are already packing their bags. That's not the case here. All of our goals are ahead of us. Three and two, one game out of the AFC lead. The focus has got to be on Denver. Rich Bisaccia, interim head coach. Look, I've known this guy for a lot of years, and I hope you get to meet him a little bit and see what a special person he is. Since he's a special teams coach, he's involved with more players on the team than any other coach in our building. He's involved with the offensive guys. He's involved with the defensive guys. Um, the irony is I've endorsed him for a lot of head coaching jobs over the years, both in college and the NFL, back when I had a different job. He's got as much respect in the locker room, in our locker room, as any coach I've ever seen in my life. And the reason he does is, is he a great coach? Hell yeah. But he's an even better man. And what I've always told people when I endorsed him is that he's the most natural leader of men that I have ever been around. Last note, uh, Carl Nassib. He and I spoke yesterday a couple of times, spoke again today. We're going to meet later this afternoon. He requested a personal day today. He just said he's got a lot to process. There's a lot that's been going on the last few days. And, of course, we support that request. So having said all that kind of stuff, guys, um, I'm going to open it up to questions. Uh, I'm not going to get into a whole lot of John Gruden stuff. Um, I'm going to follow the lead of our owner but fire away. Mike, 
how does the locker room respond to all of this? And what's the key to them moving forward? Obviously, they're human beings. But yep. They have, you know, yeah. emotions about this, I'm sure. How do they get things back together on it and get ready for this game this weekend? We had a team meeting this morning, and uh, the owner went first uh, and kind of gave an overview, the timeline, the events. Um, I went next and talked a little bit about some of the resources we have in place to try and help players if they have anything they need or ha need help with. And then Coach Basachi got up and talked a little bit about who he is as, as a per person, as a coach, um, and kind of redirected all the focus back to football at that point in Denver. Um, here's what I think. I think we have an intelligent locker room. I think over the last three years, we've done a pretty good job of bringing in the right kind of people. Um, I've touched base with as many of the guys as I could over the last several days. Um, we talked with the players. Uh, the captain spoke up at the team meeting to a certain extent, uh, and boy, were they eloquent. Um, the, the common denominator from the players has been focus and professionalism. And that's what I've gotten back from them. I've, is we, we've worked too hard. We've put too much into this. We believe in Rich, and, and we're going forward. We're moving forward. Um, we respect, obviously, their rights and abilities to, to comment on the situation in any way they want. And I think they're, they're intelligent enough young men that they'll do that. So uh, the bottom line, though, I believe is the focus is back on Denver, and I think the fact that we're three and two, and, and I think the fact that we got a young team that believes in themselves, feels like they've worked their tails off, and they want to finish this thing out the right way. So, um, just to clarify, I know you don't want to talk too much about John, but were you kept in a loop when these emails were sent to you by the league on Friday? And at any point, was there any discussion? John stepping down before coaching that game Sunday? Look, I, I think the reality of that is that Mark Davis really is the one that was dealing with that, okay? And I think he felt like, and I don't want to speak for Mark, but there was an awful lot of due diligence that had to go on on his side of this, okay? All I knew that is a bombshell had dropped, um, the players – talked about it. We talked about it with the players. John dealt with it. And then, of course, I didn't even know where, you know, again, Mark was dealing with all the email stuff. Uh, we were trying to prepare for a football game. Um, and then when we came out of the game and the rest of it came out, I think Mark was already in the middle of his due diligence. I mean, I don't think, I think he was trying to figure it all out. And again, I, I know what the guy stands for, and I think he was trying to do the right thing based on the, the timelines of things coming out, the way things came out, um, that there was pressure being put on the writers to act uh, quicker, you know? You, you know what, I, again, I, I think uh, Mr. Davis dealt with that, and I think he wanted to be fair to John Gruden, and he wanted to be fair to the Raiders organization, and, and he knew ultimately he was going to have to make a decision, but I'm not getting into timelines, and you're going to have to talk to Mr. Davis for any, any more detail. Like with John Tan, since there's a vacuum of leadership, I'm curious, has Mark let you know now you're driving the ship forward? Obviously, I'm assuming the code, new coach would come at the end of the year. Is that a search you're going to be leading? With the power vacuum, what is your – obviously, you have the title. What are you doing as the – are you the football guy now? I, I don't see a vacuum of leadership, 
okay? Uh, and I want to be really clear about that. Rich Bisaccia is the best leader I've ever been around, okay? Uh, the players respect and love Rich Bisaccia. So from that perspective, he and I are all in together on this, 100%, okay? We're three and two. And so any kind of conversation about what we're going to do after the season to me is premature. You're going to let this season play out. We're going to see what happens. And I'm going to back this son of a gun unequivocally. Mike, you had Mike. a very special relationship with John. Is it, it disappointing? sadness? I mean, you have to have some emotion towards what happened with a friend of yours. Yeah, I do, I do have emotion. And, and, I, and I am sad. And to be honest with you, I'm sad for the whole Gruden family. Okay, not just John. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all accountable for our actions, and that's how we have to look at it. Mike, I talked to, uh, to Mark Davis a little bit ago, and he said that basically the roles have flipped now, that you as general manager, you have 51%. You have final say on personnel decisions. With that in mind, what is your vision for this roster going forward? Like you said, you're 3-2, and two, everything's still ahead of you. What is your vision for how this thing should go forward? I think it's a really subtle distinction, and and. He can talk 51 and 49, and, and I can tell you from my heart that the way I've always looked at the general manager's job, regardless of 51, 49, final say, all that, all that verbiage, it's my job and my department's job to service the coaching staff, to find them players they want. And trust me, nothing's going to change there, okay? Nothing will change there. It's my job and our job in that department to supply the coach. Like this morning, I was down in the, in the defensive back coach's office. Hey, there's a particular player available. I think he fits. What do you think? What's your background with him? And that, that was the exact same conversation that would have taken place a week ago, and it will continue to take place. Rich and I are on the same page. Trust me. Um, I, I don't think you're going to see – um, you know, I can't even go beyond the daily right now. We're going to get into free agency. We're going to get into the draft and all those things down the road. But right now, that's a very subtle conversation, and it's going to be business as usual. Mike, I know you can't get in the head of the 53 players or so that are in that locker room, but based on what you saw, what you heard, um, where do you feel they are mentally moving forward with all this? It's, I think, very much like I said before. Now, let, let's be honest. You know, if I ask uh, a player a question, are they going to be 100% honest with me? I, I think I have a pretty good relationship with most of them. I think they know I'm pretty transparent. You know, I, I, I'm pretty straightforward. My wife says to me, I'm too straightforward sometimes. That's just who I am, okay? Um, but every player that I've talked to, the reaction has been, look, we're all in. We've been all in. And, okay, Coach Gruden's gone. And what, we said, what I said to the players this morning is that there, there's a um, spectrum of opinions out there about John Gruden, from total condemnation to full empathy, okay, and everything in between, okay? And, and what I said to the players basically is that you're entitled to your position. You're entitled to your opinion. On that, but ultimately, what we've preached since the day I've been here with with Coach Gruden and just about every other team in the world preaches is the team's got to come first at some point. You know, after family and um, 
and, and your religion and teams got to come in there. Okay. And I think that's what the, all the guys are saying. We're professionals. We have a job to do. We're all in coach. Again, there's a gamut of emotions in the room about how they feel. And each of them is entitled to that emotion. But I really do believe that going forward, what you're going to see is a team that's three and twos and saying, we got to go play Denver and all, every single one of our goals is still out there. Do you believe Sunday's performance was impacted by everything that was going on? I don't. Mike, you mentioned about Carl and that he came to you. Yeah. And that's understandable, and, and, um, and I respect that. But this all started with a racist remark about a black man. Yep. Was there, did you address the black players? Did anyone, any, any of the, the black players from this roster come and express that they may need some time? Or was there, because this is how it started. It, it domino affected with misogynistic and homophobic remarks. But there's also a population of that locker room that may have been affected mentally or that needed time to process as well. Yeah, and uh, I've talked to several of the black players, okay? I think we've reached out to a bunch of players, black and white. Um, everybody's got emotions and feelings. I've talked to some of the people in my department that are black and, and my, my, I, my director of pro scouting. And I just said, DJ, I can't put myself in your shoes. Help me. Okay? So uh, we've spent a pretty good amount of time trying to, trying to help these guys and talk with these guys. And not talk out at them, but with them. Um, and the other thing I would say is just uh, for Carl, it, let's be honest. He's a community of one that's openly gay. Okay, um, we do have a large community of African-American players and and we're, I'm trying to do we're trying to do everything we can for that community as well. Obviously, it started there. Okay, nobody's forgetting that we're talking and I'm trying to do to work with everyone and we're going to continue to do that. Let's do two more guys. Week six adversity is common for NFL teams, but this is pretty unprecedented as you try to navigate your plan, I mean, how much questioning within, like, are we doing the right things? <laughs> uh, interesting question. I mean, I, I probably have had texts or phone calls from at least half the GMs in the league, and the in intriguing thing is what their advice has been is trust your gut, do the right thing, I know you will. Uh, I think that's great advice. <laughs> it's kind of what my dad told me. Uh, not, not, not about this. I'm talking about the, the job in general. Um, so it's week six, and really what we need to do, and I, I hate to make this sound brusque in any way, but I know the human interest element here. I understand all the concerns from all the different constituencies. I get it. But at the end of the day, our jobs are to win football games, and we got to get our focus back there. And that might sound cold, and it might sound calculating. But at the end of the day, that's our job. And I think what's cool about our players is they're able to compartmentalize a little bit. And I think most of them are saying, hey, we're all in. We got a big frigging game this weekend, and we got to go win it. Anything more, guys? Real quick, Mike, just I know with John being gone, it seems like the chapter, this whole chapter with the league and all this stuff is done. Have you guys been assured by the league that there's no more stuff coming down the pipe that's, that's going to be disruptive here? I haven't had an opportunity to even talk to the league. I don't know. There were 700,000 plus or minus emails. You know, I, you can ask a lot of questions about why these got out or didn't get out. And I can't go there. And, and really, 
Uh, at the end of the day, Steve, all I can do is control what I can control, and, and that is trying to help this team win games. And I'm not trying to get away from your question. Um, I can't speculate about what can come down the pipe. All we can do is deal with what we have today. Okay. Okay, thank you, everyone. I all right, so that was Mike Mayock, who just spoke to the media within about – 40 minutes, and you have uh, the opportunity to react to that on Twitter at JT the Brick or on the phone, 702-365-9200. That's a big spot for Mike Mayock. It's a huge opportunity for him. And as I'm just tweeting out here about Derek Carr going forward, this is a big opportunity for Derek Carr. It's a big opportunity for all the men in that locker room to have a big moment, a really big moment in their life and legacy. Because as Mike talked about, a lot of times this interim coach situation happens, and it happens at the end of the season. The season's over. You've been eliminated from the playoffs. You're out. Interim coach comes in. Not the case here. I had an intimate, close look at what happened when the Raiders fired Dennis Allen, and Tony Sperano took over, the late Tony Sperano, a great leader. He was exactly in the same position that Coach Passaccia is in now. Highly respected around the league. Highly respected in the locker room. I mean, did you hear what Mike Mayock said about Rich Passaccia? The greatest leader he's ever seen. Not one of them. He's talking ever. So that's the opportunity coming up, as we'll hear reportedly in about 45 minutes from Rich Passaccia, the new head coach of the Raiders. And people say interim. I don't. Uh, the title, whatever the title is, interim. I believe I'll interview him tomorrow for television. We'll have it here Friday. And we'll go, go along with that format. But he has a great opportunity to define his legacy as a coach. So, you know, Max Crosby's going to play another 10 years in this league. Right? Hunter Renfro's going to play another 10 years in this league. Hopefully for the Raiders. Derek Carr now becomes a bigger face of the franchise. Since Derek's been here and his career started off 0-10, that was not his fault. He came to a team that was struggling. Derek's had some great moments in this organization individually. He led the team to the playoffs in 2016. He couldn't play because of his leg being broken, ankle being broken. But Carr led the team to the playoffs. So for those who said Carr's never played in the playoffs, he never played a game, but he led a team to the playoffs. Now Derek's in charge of a 3-2 and two team that's struggling. The head coach resigned or would have been fired. There's a new interim head coach, and everybody around the league is showing up today in Henderson I was there this morning to take my COVID test early, and there were 10 news trucks out there. Everybody's on top of this story. It's the biggest story, and now it will reflect on the Raiders and how they win football games. There are 12 games left, and the Raiders have to find a way to navigate through this very difficult, confusing time. Very difficult. No football team has ever had to go through something like this. No football team. John Gruden was a big mind, big voice high-profile figure, and what happened here when he was resigning on Monday, and we're only here on Wednesday, and they have a game plan in for Denver, and they got to go on a travel trip to Denver and play a AFC West opponent. Look, a lot of players in the history of the NFL have had to react and play after a death in the family, which is the most important thing. Nothing more important than a death in the family, and plenty of football players have played through that. Brett Favre did it in Oakland. Remember when Brett Favre did that in Oakland? It became a part of his legacy. The MVPs, winning a Super Bowl, was all part of that. Hall of Fame, gold jacket. But people continued to talk about how Favre reacted in Oakland the week that his dad died. And he was, he was magnificent. 
The Raiders have to look at it that way. This is a big loss to the organization, a head coaching change midweek early in the season. It's now on the players, the trainers and the staff and the equipment group, and everybody will have the players ready. They'll have the players ready. The players are going to have to go out and execute and win. And they're going to be judged by that. And I hope this team elevates themselves and understands that challenge. Like Mike Mayock said, I think they do. But it's the biggest test that I've seen in my 23 years with the team when it comes down to a big moment. The other one that I could compare this to was the passing of Al Davis. When Al Davis passed, was we just talked about that 10 years ago. The team went out and won that game in Houston, and it's a part of Raider lore as they had only 10 men on the field. The Huff interception, what it meant, the, the tears coming down the face of the coaching staff. That was a big moment over the last 10 years. This is another really big moment, much different circumstance, but it's a gut check, and the team has to step up and do well. The fans deserve it. The fans deserve it in a big way. The fans paid for tickets. They've invested in this team. They need this team to do their job and win football games. That is their role. That is their job. And I hope that they step up for the challenge. I thought that was a great moment for Mike Mayock. He was firm. Look, you know, people are criticizing him afterwards on NFL Network. He should have denounced Coach Gruden more, this or that. Everybody's got an opinion of everybody who's in, who's in front or behind a microphone, including me. Every word's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be your best. You've got to mean it. You've got to be sincere. Nobody's been through anything like this. And Mike Mayock just did the toughest press conference of his career. And now he's got to get the players to believe in him, which I think they do. And Rich Passaccia will cover that press conference coming up. When we come back, Steve Berline, 17-year quarterback in the NFL, went through a lot of adversity. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about Derek Carr and what Carr needs to do and the matchup coming up here. And then Dave Logan, the voice of the Broncos, great friend, legendary high school football coach, and a guy I have on every year, at least once a year, and it's a fabulous conversation. All coming up the rest of this hour, brought to you by our good friends at Grimaldi's, best pizza I've ever had. Honestly, we didn't have a bad week. Um, you know, uh, practice was uh, was good, probably not perfect, you know, um, but that happens sometimes. I mean, I've had practices where practice weeks you're like, gosh, dang, I wish I hit that pass for that pass, and you go out and you throw for 400, and you're like, okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that it worked out, right? But I don't think that practice was off. I don't think that anyone's mindset was off. Um, honestly, as a team, our focus inside the building was, man, we just had a heartbreaker Monday night. We got a short week, man. We got to get ready and get ready to play, and so – our mindset going into it, we weren't, you know, thinking about anything else or anything like that, but we didn't play good enough. Like that that out there, that ain't going to cut it. You know, what we, what we put out there today in the last really however many days, uh, that ain't going to cut it, and that's not going to win football games. So we got to get back to work, and we got to get ready to go. That's Derek Carr. They didn't really show up against the Bears. Believe me, I anchored the pre and post. They didn't show up. They got to show up in Denver. The whole country is waiting to see if the Raiders show up. They got to show up in Denver and put up a fight. They got to win the game, but they got to be in the game. Two eleven still reserve. Go ahead. Uh, you're up next before Steve Berline. What do you got? What's up, brother? Hey, um, I mean, uh, first of all, I was at that game where Favre went off. Uh, at first, I was sick to my stomach, but as the game went on, 
could nothing but admiration for what that dude did to lose his dad. That was one of the greatest Raider moments. That's kind of weird to say that because we lost, but it was amazing to see him perform that way. But um, on, as far as uh, what Mayock said, I, I, I like what he said. It gives me assurance. I was down and out after all this thing went down. I think, you know, I'm thinking it's, it's, you know the team's going to crumble. But with a lot of things that you've been saying and, and, and who they picked to be the coach, you know, like the, like Mayock said, a lot of times you get these interim head coaches at the end of the season because things are so in disarray and records are ugly. At that point, they get rid of somebody. But that's not the case here. They, 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 all the other coaches are going to remain in their place. you got the defensive taking care of, you know, coordinator doing his thing. The offensive Olsen with Carr. I don't feel it. I don't feel bad. I actually think, you know, we can go in. If we can go into Denver and win, I think we'll be all right. But if we go into Denver and we get pummeled, I, I don't know, JT. I know it's, a, I know it's early yeah. in the season, but we have to win. And if we, can, if we win that, for what Al Davis and the Raiders stand for and what Al did for a lot of minorities, and we go in there and win, I think that will be a Raider right. milestone in history. And, and it, it, is what, it is the Raider way. And for us to win this week, to me, it would be a milestone, and it's huge. I agree with you. Thanks for the call. I think that that could be a way of looking at it. The Raiders, the Raiders are, are supposed to play in Super Bowls, AFC championship games, Monday night football, Sunday night football. This is not that, okay, but this is a big moment. This is where John Gruden's out, Rich Passaccia is in, three and two to go to four and two, and the Chargers have a big game with Baltimore, a game they could lose, and the Raiders could be right back, tied for first. I mean, think about what's on the line here. The Chargers are going to lose some games, but the way the Chargers are playing, they're not going to lose, I don't think, many of the games against teams they're supposed to beat. And the Raiders have games against teams they're supposed to win. The Giants, Philly, Washington, the Bears. And they didn't show up against the Bears. And Denver doesn't have Peyton Manning or John Elway. That's a line I've used for a long time now. When it comes to Denver, I go on a lot of Denver radio shows and they bring me on and it's fun and I always predict the Raiders to win and everybody laughs and goes crazy, but I'm, I, we, we have a good time breaking down the game. And I will say this again, that the Raiders have an opportunity to do something special if they win this game. And for those who think that they can't win it because there's so much adversity, then, then blame the players, okay? Because I don't really do that. I, I, I'm pro player. I'm always pro coach. You know how many coaches I've worked for since I've been here. Okay, the list is pretty long. And I'm always pro-coach. And I'll, sometimes I'll get pushback. People say, well, JT, no, I work for the team. I work on the flagship. I'm pro-coach. I was heavy pro-John Gruden while he was here until we found out about these emails. Again, that changes a lot. I'm pro-Rich Passaccio, who I've met a few times. I was pro-Art Shell. I was pro-Lane Kiffin. I was pro-all of these guys, North Turner, because I want them to win for the Raider Nation. And when you're in the middle of a season and the bullets are flying and every, the bombs are going off around you, you need the coach to get the players to have their heads screwed on right. And the players have a job to do for 60 minutes however long they're on the field, between timeouts, half times, the ball's blown dead, there's only a certain amount of plays they're going to play. They're getting paid millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And they have personal issues in their lives. They have wives or kids or sick family members or the coach just got fired or resigned. It's all a part of the job. 
It's all a part of the job. It was very easy for the Patriots to win over 20 years, six Super Bowls. Very easy because Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, and he navigated that team. No distractions. Everything was smooth. We're on to Cincinnati. Josh McDaniels, whoever, Matt Patricia, coordinators, high-level guys. Brian Flores and the players had a great game plan, and they won all their games, a lot of them because of Tom Brady. Okay? Hasn't been like that for the Raiders. There's a lot of adversity, turnover, coaching changes, players, injuries. Well, the players owe Mark Davis the ability to show up for the Raider organization. That facility in Henderson, the stadium at Allegiant, and they got to play their best. And that's not too much to ask for. And, again, that is not too much for the fan base to ask for. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on in your personal life. We get it. We don't care on game day. Go play your ass off like John Madden said. Show up, be on time, and play your ass off on Sunday. And that's what Bolitnikoff did, and Banaszek did, and Tim Brown did, and Jerry Rice and Rich Gannon. They played their ass off on Sunday. I expect these players to do the same. And they made a lot more. They made a lot more than the players who played in the 70s or 80s or played in the era of Steve Berline, who's kind enough to join us, former quarterback in the NFL, great football analyst on the college side and the pro side, also host on CBS Sports Network. Steve, I'll jump right in. I mean, you see the national news on Gruden being out, new head coach coming in. I wanted to spend a few minutes with you on the quarterback perspective on what Carr has to do to elevate his leadership to help this team get on track and win a game. Well, you know, it's a challenge, and uh, you find out a lot about uh, a team and about your leadership uh, of, the, of the players on a team in situations like this. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure, uh, you know, Derek knows this. I'm sure he's had conversations with the, 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 the rest of the staff that's there. I'm sure they've had internal meetings, and uh, the veteran players really have to step up. I've never been part of uh, a situation where a coach was fired during the season uh, like this, but um, many different uh, you know ad- ad- adversity challenges throughout the course of my career, uh, you know, at the different spots and different locations. And uh, the only way you hold a team together and continue. Uh, uh, competing is if, if the, the, the senior veteran leadership on that team is all coming together and, and trying to do what's in the best interest of the team. You know, when you get little factions splitting off because they're more concerned about their own personal situations, uh, it can get pretty ugly. But uh, I think Derek has got the respect of that football team and the other veterans on that team. They'll keep it together and uh, continue to compete and fight hard. They're they're, they're, you know, they're by no means is their season over. And this could end up being a great story for the Raiders football team uh, if they can come together and use it to kind of motivate them. Steve Berline's our guest. Uh, I'm really happy you said that, Steve, because, again, you had a long career there. And that's what I wanted to spend these few minutes with you on is veteran leadership because I've heard some of the national news say, you know, would a player get checked out if they were a Gruden player? They liked them, or this is too much for them. Are they putting their skill set on tape for another team if they want to play somewhere else down the road? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Some of these players, they were 3-0. and They beat Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Miami in overtime, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. But they are coming off a bad game against Chicago where Justin Fields wasn't even given the playbook. Why do you think the Raiders had such a letdown? 
in that game. Couldn't get anything going. I mean, you tip your cap to Khalil Mack and that Bears defense, but the Raiders didn't look like themselves in that ball game. They didn't. And, you know, a lot of times it's as simple as just one team not being ready to play for whatever reason. I don't know whether any of this stuff was a distraction. Any of the Gruden stuff was a distraction for the team. I know he spoke to the team on, on Friday, supposedly. Uh, so they did know that there was this lingering issue. But in my opinion, uh, that, that is not an excuse at all. I mean, as a professional football player, uh, you know what it takes to get yourself ready for a game. You've got to be able to block out uh, distractions, whether they're personal in nature uh, with your own family issues or whether they're uh, internal issues with the organization you've got to be able to focus and prepare on getting yourself ready. Uh, I think the Bears were just more ready for that football game than the Raiders were for whatever reason. And, and you also have to consider the fact that maybe it's as simple as uh, the, the, the Bears were, were better coached that game. Maybe they had a better game plan. Maybe mm-hmm. what they were doing defensively, they identified some matchups where they felt they could exploit the Raiders, and they took advantage of that and the Raiders couldn't counter it. You know, a lot of times it is as simple as that, where a team just had a, a scheme or a matchup or a few matchups that they just could not figure out how to handle those, and, and that was the difference in the ballgame. Steve Berline, as we wrap it up, Steve, they're really struggling with this offensive line. Starters are out, and backups are getting exposed. And I think I spoke to you as they drafted Alex Leatherwood, out of Alabama, and he comes in as an Outland Trophy Award winner. They move him from right tackle inside to right guard. He wasn't getting it done. Just yet, he's a young player. He's got his whole career in front of him. Andre James takes over for Rodney Hudson. He's not getting it done at a Rodney Hudson level, that's for sure. So Carr's got to deal with that. Can you just uh, wrap it up by telling me what's it like when you know you're going into a game and your offensive line isn't at 100%, you've got to get the ball out quicker, make quicker decisions, and maybe a game plan where your coaches are asking you to make more plays outside the pocket. Well, you, you can't worry about that. You, you really cannot worry about uh, your, your, your situation with the, the guys up front or your receivers if guys are down or you know, if you're thin somewhere. As a quarterback especially, you have got to be pumping that team the same message all the way through the week, all the way through the, the pregame stuff. Hey, it doesn't matter, guys. It's us. We're good enough to win. I, I'm counting on you guys. I trust you. Fight your butts off. Let's get out there and compete and win this football game. You can't use those excuses. And, and, and Derek Carr, let's be honest now, I, I respect the heck out of the year he's having, and I respect the heck out of his body of work as a starter in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But there were some chances to make plays in that football game, and it was, it was a game that you make a couple of plays, and, and all of a sudden you're right back in it or you're in control of that game. So I think Derek knows that. He knows that even though he was under pressure, even though it was a difficult working environment for him on Sunday, he did not play a good football game. He's got to play better. You've got to look in the mirror. Uh, everybody has to do that, and they've got to come together as a team and find a way to make those game-deciding, game-changing type of plays, which they did not do this past Sunday against the Bears. Steve, we're up against it. Thanks for a few minutes. Hope to see you out in Vegas soon. Continued success, okay? You got it, JT. Take care, buddy. We'll see you. You got it. Steve Berline. Always great to catch up with him. Hopefully we catch him on the pregame show. He comes out to a couple of games. Brought to you by M Resort Spa Casino. Coming up next, Dave Logan, the voice of the Broncos, will join us. A full breakdown 
which is what we do best here on the opponent. Dave Logan, voice of the Broncos, coming up next as we get you set up for an AFC West battle on the road at Mile High. We'll talk to the voice of the Broncos next. Brought to you by Five Iron Golf, inside Area 15, best golf simulator spot I've ever been in. Trips right, Sutton wide left, play fake, Bridgewater in trouble, stiff arms away, ball is caught, and inside the five-yard line is Okwebunam, and into the end zone with a Denver touchdown. That's Dave Logan, one of the best play-by-play voices in all of sports, longtime friend of the show, and I really enjoy talking to him a couple of times a year in Denver. Dave, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on Raider Nation Radio. How are you, buddy? Hey, JT. What's up? How you been? Really appreciate you coming on. Good. You know, it's been a trying week for everybody out here. First, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask your overall opinion on the John Gruden resignation, the coaching change, and how that's playing out in Denver. Yeah, I um, I, I was really saddened by the news, to tell you the truth. I think it's, um, you know, the, the, the feeling about John Gruden, I think, is varied around the country. Um uh, certainly varied here in Denver. Uh, I, I know some guys that played in the league uh, that that didn't have the highest opinion of John even before this. And me, personally, I always, always liked him. I thought that uh, I thought he was a good football coach. thought he was good at what he did. I was saddened with sort of how this whole thing played out. And, you know, I, I think about his kids and his wife, and I think that uh, that's, you know, for, forget the fact that, you know he's not going to come back and coach and, and do all that, but it's 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 hard when your name sort of gets drugged through the mud and you've done something that you're responsible for that happening. And I'm sure that that weighs on John's mind. But it was I, I just think it was a sad sad day for for a lot of people. Uh, he offended a lot of people. The league I think took a black eye there, and I just I, I think it's a bad day for football overall. Dave Logan's our guest. Dave, both teams are three and two. Raiders started off on fire. Three big wins against quality opponents. The Broncos maybe had a little bit of an easier schedule, but they won all their games out of the gate. And now both teams here at three and two, but both teams struggling the last couple of weeks. The Raiders are starting slow in games, just flat out. They can't get out of their way in the first quarter. What has been with the issue with the Broncos over the last two games? Well, if that if that's the case, then it ought to be an interesting quarter. It's going to be a really slow quarter <laughs> in Denver because that's exactly what what has happened to the Broncos. I mean, they they cannot they have not scored a touchdown uh, on their first possession since you got to go back to 2018. I mean, it's just a streak that wow. uh, you know you you look at that and say, okay, that that couldn't possibly be true. I mean, a defensive back fell down. Uh, I mean, something happened where somebody got loose and scored. Scored a touchdown. It just hasn't happened, and so um, they have the last couple of weeks after a good start. They have played from behind. The last two weeks they've been behind at halftime by double digits. That is a recipe for failure, I think, for for a lot of teams. Not every team. I mean, the NFL has teams that you know you're ten down, 
13 down at halftime, whatever, uh, you know you've got enough offensive firepower to come back. This team is built supposedly on running the ball, staying on the field, having a real good defense, play-action passes, and and managing the game. And so their margin of error is, is thin. It, it really is. They, they don't have – without Hamler, without Judy, they don't have the offensive firepower to dig themselves that kind of hole and then just expect to, to wave a wand and everything's going to be fine in the second half. So I, I think the point of emphasis for the Broncos JT this week is to get off to a good start, find a way to score some points, let the defense on the field uh, play with the lead. Yeah, this defense is amazing. Dave Logan, voice of the Broncos, ranked number three overall total defense, sixth in rushing, sixth in pass defense overall, and second points per game. And again, when the Raiders and Carr got off to that quick start, he was putting up all these yardages, uh, making big plays, but they've struggled uh, as of late because of their offensive line. So, Dave, i got to ask you, the Raiders' offensive line is a work in progress. They're just trying to get healthy bodies on the field. What has been the strength yep. of the Broncos' defense so far? Well, I mean, I think up until last week, um, they, they'd been pretty stout against the run. Uh, they did a nice job against Lamar Jackson, but they, they played. I mean, that's such a – such a uh, atypical offense that it 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 can skew your defensive numbers, right? I mean, you can you, you try to stop that running game, and then all of a sudden you're locked up in the back end. You're playing a lot of zero coverage, and uh, they didn't do a good job, uh, uh, you know, preventing big chunk plays against the Ravens. But I got to tell you, I mean, they they cannot be happy with their performance in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was dead last in the league in rushing. They are averaging 55 yards per game, and they, they put 147 on the Broncos. And they, they controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought the Steelers won both the offensive and defensive battles up front in that, in that line of scrimmage. So I would say, in a, in a long-winded answer, the strength of the team uh, is their ability in the back end to match up with really good passing attacks because they've got some quality defenders back there. They've got some guys that have size and length. They've got some guys that have been proven guys in this league, like Kyle Fuller, although he didn't play well against the Steelers. Uh, they hope to get Ronald Darby back. Callahan's a good nickel back. Sertan's the number one draft choice. They've got two good safeties. So I think that would be the strength of the defense. But I, I've got to tell you, they, they have to play better than they played last week in Pittsburgh. Wrapping it up with Dave Logan, the voice of the Broncos, as a former player, a legendary high school coach, when you see a game manager like Teddy Bridgewater and you're calling the games, when he is healthy and he is playing at his best, his numbers are impressive. I mean, his completion percentage, 70%, 69.8, uh, higher than Carr's, and Carr's pretty good at that. Well, what works well with Bridgewater? Because he doesn't have the arm of some of the guys in this league, but, man, he's accurate, especially underneath. Yeah, I mean, he, he got off to a great start. I mean, he's got a lot of poise. Um, he occasionally will hold the ball a little bit too long, and so I think that's something that he's got to be aware of. But, but I think Teddy's at his best when you know he can play within the context of the game, play with the lead. Not, not you know, they're down, they're down last week, uh, what was it, 24-6, to 23-6 in the fourth quarter, so your running game has to be abandoned at that point. And you stress your offensive line, you stress your protect, protection packages. But I'll tell you what has impressed me. He's got great poise. Um, he's a little bit more nimble and creative in the pocket in terms of buying himself an extra second or two. Uh, we've seen that in the first three weeks of the season. Very, very accurate quarterback. But maybe the most important thing, J. 
JT, is it sure seems to me that the team has bought into Teddy Bridgewater. This is a guy, his first year with the Broncos, he's one of their captains. I mean, that team gravitates to him, and he's got great leadership skills. So they just need to be able to to get the running game going and to have a pocket clean early in this game and not, not get him hit nearly as many times as he got hit against the Ravens two weeks ago. Dave, last one, when you see the Chargers and Justin Herbert, I mean, the Raiders came in 3-0 and Monday night football, and since then they haven't been right. That Charger team's legit. I think this is a big game between the Broncos and the Raiders to just keep the Chargers close. Haven't said this in a long time with you, but the Chargers really feel like a team that could get away and, and not run away and hide because Kansas City's still in that division. But this division is really going to get unique if the Chargers keep improving this quickly. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's scary. Uh, for yeah. both the Raiders and the Broncos, because I mean that that young guy, you know, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist or, or watch too much football to watch him and and how he plays and his release and his accuracy. Um, excuse me, a lot of poise for a second year guy. I mean, I I think Justin Herbert right now. I mean, maybe maybe something about this. Maybe except Mahomes, if you had to take one quarterback. Um, in the top three, and you could start a franchise with of the 30, whatever, of the top 30 teams and take Mahomes out and maybe take Lamar Jackson out because he's a unicorn. He's unbelievably good. I don't know. I think I'd probably take Justin Herbert. Yeah, I would agree. He's he's probably one of the best I've seen, and I've seen a lot of them at Allegiant, empty with Brady, Josh Allen, all the ones last year and yeah. now this year as these other quarterbacks are coming in. Dave, I look forward to seeing you when you get out to Vegas. Thanks again for the time. I always appreciate it. Appreciate you, JT. Take care. You got it, Dave Logan. He is fantastic. Play-by-play voice. We have an icon in Brent Musburger and some good ones here, legends in Raider history. Dave Logan, they are fortunate to have him in Denver. He calls a beautiful football game on the radio. You want to talk about detail, down, distance, all of it? Really good. And uh, a kind guy, former player, and he's a great high school football coach. You know, in Vegas, we have Bishop Gorman. Right, has been a dominant force nationally. Dave's a coach at that level in Denver. So he does radio, a talk show, travels with the Broncos, and coaches kids every day. Really happy that we are able to have him on and Steve Berline. How about this show? And I have Andrew Brandt, who's one of the sharpest minds in all of football, former Packer executive. And tomorrow, Mike Florio. Big interview for us because Mike Florio is one of the only guys tracking the Washington football team and the fact that those other emails haven't been released. That's going to be a big conversation coming up tomorrow. You don't want to miss it.